Welcome to Behind the Headlines, the weekly Stilacaganews.com podcast, bringing you conversations behind the stories we tell and report. I'm your host, news and sports reporter and content manager, Anna Hammonds, alongside my co-host, Radio Alabama brand manager, Darden Walton. Darden, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today, Hannah. How are you? I'm doing amazing. This is our sixth episode. I know. It's crazy. It's it doesn't seem like we've been doing this for over a month. No. I know but they get this, better all the time. They do. Each week it's better and better. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I'm super excited for our guest later on. I think yes. we have a lot of important information that we would like to share. Or that he would like Definitely to share. Do. You can, I would say this about every episode, but, like, I feel like this is the episode everybody needs to watch. Oh, for sure. <laughs> this is the most informal episode ever. Yes. You can watch our video podcast weekly on SilicogaNews.com, Mix 106.5, and Kicks 100.3 Facebook pages. Listen on air and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen. As we mentioned, we have a very special guest in the building with us today. Uh, who we'll be talking with a little bit later, Sylacauga City School Superintendent Dr. John Seegers. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is Behind the Headlines. Welcome back to Behind the Headlines, the weekly SilicogaNews.com podcast. We have a bunch of important news from around Sylacauga in the state of Alabama that we would love to share with you today. But first, Alabama voters will see a number of local and state races on the ballot on November 3rd, along with the presidential um, contest. But in addition to that, they're going to see six constitutional amendments that's going to have to be voted on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always, I think, one of the most interesting things to see in an election year are the amendments that your state is going to be passing that year. Um, And this year is definitely no exception. Yeah, definitely not. And a lot of these amendments or proposed amendments Mm -hmm. have lacked the widespread attention due to their language, the way that they're worded. Yeah. Uh, It's very confusing to a lot of voters. And I know in the past that's been an issue and people are unsure of how to vote for these. Yeah, absolutely. Just because they don't quite understand um, the language of these amendments. Yeah. So here's a brief breakdown of each amendment that will be on the ballot on November 3rd. All right, amendment number one is an amendment that would change the existing wording in the state's constitution. Yeah, essentially they would change um, wording that says voting rights to every U.S. citizen to only U.S. citizens. So according to WSFA 12 News, a yes vote would mean that the Constitution would guarantee the right to vote to only U.S. citizens, whereas a no vote means that the Constitution would continue to guarantee the right to vote to every U.S. citizen. It's really just a change in wording. Essentially, it would mean the same thing, uh, but one is just a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more direct than the other. And amendment number two is the result of many months of deliberation by state lawmakers to streamline the rules governing the state court system, making it less confusing. I mean, that's good. I know part of that has to do with um, administrative directors. Yes, it says one provision of the amendment would change the way the court system administrative directors is selected. The amendment would allow all Supreme Court justices to be involved in the appointment not just the chief justice. So that is, it has five other 
major provisions along with it. The first mm-hmm. is the district courts would no longer have to hold court in municipalities to have less than 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, cases that would otherwise be held in the city would be held in the county seat. Uh, this is a largely, or this is largely a practical change. Okay. Uh, second, the judicial in- inquiry commission, which evaluates ethic complaints about judges, would expand from a nine-person body uh, to one that has eleven members. Okay. Uh, The third, the amendment exchanges a position on the Court of Judiciary, which hears the complaints brought to them by the Judiciary Inquiry uh, Commission. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was previously appointed by Lieutenant Governor uh, to one appointed by the governor. Language elsewhere has already caused this shift to happen in practice. Uh, The amendment would supply or simply clarify it in Alabama Constitution. Fourth, judges would no longer be automatically disqualified from holding uh, office when the Judicial Inquiry Commission files a complaint against them with the court of the judiciary. And final, the final major provision, the amendment requires the judges to be removed from office only by court or of the judiciary and not by other bodies. That's interesting. So technically... The state legislator previously had a hand in the impeachment of a mm-hmm. state judge. Now this would kind of change that a little bit. Well, that's interesting. I know Amendment 3 also sort of touches on um, the judicial system. It t- essentially would change the initial term for an appointed circuit or district court judge to at least two years before they had to run for re-election. And previously, or currently, um, it is one year. So a judge would be appointed, and then one year later they would be required to run for re-election. And this is also essentially a practical thing, give somebody a little bit more time um, to hold their seat before they have to run for re-election. Right. And Amendment 4 would uh, reorganize Alabama's notoriously long constitution. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize before now that apparently it is said that Alabama has the longest constitution in the nation, but it would also... Uh, it would take out some of the r- racist language and outdated language that still exists in Alabama's constitution, including references to segregated schools and bans on interracial marriage. Yeah, and amendments five and six uh, specifically apply to Franklin and Lauderdale counties. Um, it would clarify the state's stand your ground law that applies inside churches and other houses of worship. Mm-hmm. All right. and, and while that, that is Franklin and Lauderdale counties, yes, yeah, so that doesn't it apply is to us. Still statewide voting so we still as a state have to vote on that um, right. but yeah it would just clarify that Alabama's existing stand your ground law applies in a church church or place of worship right um, the state of Alabama completed the 2020 census with a 99.9 percent household response we really jumped up there we we love to see it we love to see it I'm so glad that everybody completed the census yeah, me too. and the Sylacauga City School System has moved up in the niche rankings uh, from yes. 32, but 30, 32nd place last yes. year, up to 28th this yeah. year. So they have, they've moved up, which is a huge accomplishment, mm-hmm. which we're going to be hearing a little bit about later when we, we talk are. with our guest. So I'm very excited to talk a little bit more about that and deep dive into that. Me too. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be joined by Dr. Seeger, Superintendent of the Sylacauga City Schools. You're listening and watching Behind the Headlines, the weekly SylacaugaNews.com podcast, bringing you conversations behind the stories we tell and report. 
You can watch our video podcast on SilicogaNews.com, Mix 106.5, and Kicks 100.3 Facebook pages. Listen on air and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen. We'll be back in a minute. Maybe you're looking for that perfect home in the Sylacauga area, or you're being transferred and need to quickly sell your existing home. Let your hometown realtor help. Whether it's buying, selling, or renting a home, owner and broker Greg Tubbs of Fairmont Realty can help you. Fairmont Realty is located at 208 North Broadway in downtown Sylacauga, next to Odie's Deli. View their listings online at fairmont-realty.com. Fairmont Realty, your hometown realtor. Welcome back to Behind the Headlines, the weekly SiliconGanews.com podcast bringing you conversations behind the stories we tell and report. We are joined today by Dr. John Seegers from the Sylacauga City School System. Dr. Seegers, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much for joining us today. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, um, well of course, I'm the superintendent of education here in Sylacauga and had been in that position for two years, but three years, the three years prior to that, I was the career tech director here. Um, you know, it, it's a great lead into this job that I have now, but um, of course, what you really want to know is uh, background before that, I didn't, I didn't come through education like a normal superintendent would. I, I'm actually an Army retiree. So my background is military service, and then I went into teaching late in my life. So, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of magical that I'm to this point, but it's, it's a great job. Now, are you from Sylacauga? No, I'm from uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia, a little northeast of Atlanta, uh, in between Atlanta and Athens. So you mentioned that you were previously in the military. Can you talk to us a little bit about your time in the military? It was 22 years, so it would take a, a long time to talk about <laughs> everything. But, you know, it's, um, I, I, I had a, a, an atypical military career. Uh, I was a combat arms officer, so it took me to a lot of places, a lot of strange countries. Um, four times in combat, um, but, it, you know, the most interesting thing is I think I moved about 15 times in 22 years, so you, you just never, you never stayed in one place for very long. Yeah. Was there a place in particular that you just really enjoyed? Uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. My favorite duty assignment is Columbus, Georgia, because I just like this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some other beautiful things I saw, but if I had to live, if I had to live somewhere with the military again, it'd be Columbus. So you're a fan of the South. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not only are you a um, veteran, but you also earned a doctorate. Can you talk a little bit about your degree path and what made you decide to pursue higher education? Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll go back uh, a few years. It was 2000, and I was at the Command and General Staff College, and that's in Fort Leavenworth, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Right next to the federal prison, so it's kind of neat going to see. You're like, wow, Fort Leavenworth, they really have prisons here, and they have a military prison and a federal prison side by side. But I went to a, a college there, a year-long college. And when you walked in the first day, it, it's like normal college registration, but they have uh, colleges and universities outside of the military there, and Kansas State had a booth there. And I can Sharon Polson's the lady's name, who was the professor and, and the one doing the registration, said, why don't you try adult education? And it just so happened one of my college roommates was in the same course with me. And we looked at each other, and he said, hey, we can go in on the buddy program. 
to Kansas State. So they got us, and, and we really didn't qualify. They put us on probation because our grades were so low in college. <laughs> but they just kind of laughed at us, and we did great. I mean, we had straight A's and had a wonderful program. But that was my start. And then fast forward 10 years almost, uh, I wound up at Auburn University. The Army offered to pay for a doctorate. I didn't think I was Ph.D. material, but lo and behold, seven years later, I mean, it took me seven years to get to get the doctorate. But, it, it, you know, it's just a marathon. You just keep moving. Yeah. And, and, it, and it came out. It worked. So I would have never, if you would have asked me this 20 years ago, I said, nope, there's no way <laughs> that I'll have a doctorate. But, Did I read somewhere where you were a professor of military science at Auburn? I was, and, and we use the term professor loosely. It was a really an honorary title. I really didn't qualify to be a professor, but uh, I was a department head for uh, military science uh, at Auburn University. Worked directly for the university president, which was kind of neat. When you know, when when you had to go see the boss, you walked right right to the president's office. Uh, so you learned a lot about how a big university runs, and yeah. and just you know things like the finances, how much money it takes to run something like that. But great job for three years. Met a lot of great people. A lot of great contacts, and of course, it led to, to the job I'm in now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've also been inducted into the ROTC National Hall of Fame. Can you tell us a little bit more about ROTC and the honor that you had? Yeah, I don't know how that happens. Um, <laughs> you know, when you start talking about Hall of Fame, and that's interesting, you pulled that up. Um, I, I got a call from um, Auburn University one day mm-hmm. after I'd retired and said, your name has been submitted uh, to the Hall of Fame because I was an ROTC graduate from mm-hmm. North Georgia College. And each and this was the first year they ever did it. So each college and university that had an ROTC program got to submit a name. So I'm, you know, I'm, in, a, I'm in a box with a lot of really, <laughs> really um, professional people and high-ranking people. And, you know, and we're talking about World War II veterans, World War I veterans that you know, had really made their mark at a college. And you know, I looked at Auburn, and I'm like, why me? And they were like, well, you know, we just got this thing and thought of your name first and thought you would be a great candidate. And I'm truly honored uh, to be in that group. And, and um, certainly I watch it now as, as some years have gone past. Each year, each college or university gets to honor somebody like that. So certainly a great honor to be in that class. That was a huge honor. It really is. And you also taught junior ROTC at Auburn High School. Is that correct? Yeah, I was kind of roped into that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the mayor, who was a friend of mine, and the school superintendent, who I knew well at the time, uh, came to me as I was getting ready to retire and said, we have a job for you in, in high school. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not. I don't, I don't know if I'm that person. And I didn't apply for a job. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. We've got a great job for you and asked if I would take over. I don't want to say it was a failing uh, program, but it, it, it had been on the rocks for a few years. And they just needed somebody to come in there with some new ideas somebody fresh off of a college ROTC stint, and, um, and it was great. I mean, I loved it. I, I signed up for one year and spent five. So I kept signing up and signing up. I'm like, this is great. I'll keep doing this. <laughs> it was fun, though. It was a great community, great families, great young people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we started out with about 50 kids. By the time I left there, we had 150. Wow. So just kids flocked to the program. They had fun. We did, too. We are joined today by Sylacauga City School Superintendent, Dr. John Seegers. Now, does Sylacauga have a ROTC program? We do not. We do not. And people ask me all the time why we don't have one. Their um, ROTC programs are just so hard to get in a community. Mm-hmm. If you don't already have one, 
um, with the military funding or lack thereof that's happening right now, so hard to get one and, and so hard to afford. I, unfortunately, I tell people in this town, if we were to, to apply for a ROTC program, we would have to give up something else. Mm-hmm. And we just don't have the funding to do that right now. So mm-hmm. we've just, over the years, we've just made the choice not to try that route right now. Maybe possible in the future. It would be wonderful, okay. I think, to see that in the future because I know a lot of people in the area would be really interested in doing something yeah, like that. Yeah, it is. It, it takes a lot, though. You have to, the military requires you to have two instructors. Yeah. And, you know, paying for two additional teachers is, is mammoth in our world. Uh, plus, the equipment is very expensive. Right. So, you know, we have some great career tech programs here, uh, four big pathways. And, and I just left a meeting with our health science pathway where we employ three nurses. Uh, to do the teaching there. So those are the things that um, we're really after because um, a health science program means uh, students graduate and go into a job. Yeah, right. the, absolutely. The ROTC program is not designed like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, most most people that participate in ROTC never go in the military. That's interesting. It is interesting. interesting. But it's a good leadership program. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking a bit about your career in the military and how it adjusted to education. Uh, what has made you continue to pursue your career path in education? You know, it was kind of like um, pursuing my career in the military. Uh, I just didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I just kept going. But, you know, you get into education, and, and, and there's a new step. There's a new challenge around the corner. And I just love it. I love, I love young people. They're so much easier to deal with than adults. <laughs> but they are. I mean, and if, and if you're ever having a bad day, all you have to do is go down to Indian Valley Elementary School and, and, and talk to children that are kindergarten through second grade, you can't have a bad day after that. So it's, it's wonderful. I guarantee you'll leave with a smile on your face. You leave with a smile on your face <laughs> and, and um, you know, some interesting comments. And, oh, absolutely. You know, sometimes the kids look at me and they say, who, who are you, the weatherman? I'm like, no. <laughs> are you the mayor? And I'm like, no, I'm not the mayor either. But, you know, just the questions you get down there make you laugh. So it, it, it's, it's a wonderful job and it's a great way to serve. These last few months have brought many challenges for educators across the United States due to COVID-19. How has Sylacauga City Schools adapted to these challenges? Yeah, it's been tough. Uh, been real tough. Uh, remember back in March, we had to shut the schools down, uh, state order. So we sent everybody home and we tried to figure out, now how do we get a computer in every child's hand and how do we get them to use that computer and do exactly what we, our curriculum was designed to do? It was, it was so challenging. Uh, long car lines picking up material and food. Um, So, you know, we battled through that from March to June, to, you know, early June, where where we went in uh, to the uh, development or the refining of a plan for the fall. Uh, So our plan came out in simple terms was some people are going to be allowed to come to school in person. Uh, Some are going to choose the blended approach where you have one of our teachers, but you're at home, and sometimes you come in for a test Uh, when needed. And then we have a full virtual approach where we put you on a totally separate curriculum where you don't have one of our teachers. Mm -hmm. There's just a monitor Mm -hmm. and you follow the curriculum and you and you take the test at home and that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I did a few of those courses in 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 my studies. They were hard for me just to just to stay on that and uh, you know there's nothing replacing the teacher. There's no system in this world that replaces that teacher in the classroom in front of you that's a subject matter expert. That's so that's true. where we're trying to get kids right now. So we have about 40% of our students on campus at any given time uh, during the week right now. I know I finished my undergrad at Alabama all online because 
it hit the same time mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that you guys shut down, the university shut down. And I know that was challenging for me as a college student, a senior in college. Yeah. And I can't imagine how it was for the high school students and elementary students who were having to adjust to that, especially mm-hmm. more so your elementary students who, you know, younger kids, they are tech savvy, as we would like to say, but that instruction is so important. That face-to-face interaction is so important. Right. I remember um, I was on spring break at Auburn, actually, when we got the shutdown order. Mm -hmm. And we didn't realize that the Friday before spring break that we were leaving the university and not coming back. There you go. So the last time that I got to see everything at the university was, you know, March 9th or 10th. That was the same for me up until graduation day. Yeah, absolutely. Strangest things. It was really – and we had taken online classes before, but it was still really difficult. Mm -hmm. And – and you're right. Uh, you, you talked about the younger children trying mm-hmm. to take an online course. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, and I'll just use Indian Valley as an example. Um, we have a teacher in each grade, kindergarten, first grade, and second grade. They do nothing but uh, virtual classes all day long and into the night. So they do blended students during the day and come 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They start talking to parents and children who are on virtual platforms. Wow. And the virtual platform they had to build. So we built it in just a matter of months. So I, the three ladies down there, I don't know how they do it. I mean, they, they have got to work 10 to 12 hours a day, every single day. This change hit you guys during your spring break, and y'all came back for, I think, was it three days after spring break right. before everything right. shifted? How did you guys, like, that was quick. You had to put together a plan within just a couple it, days. It took me back to my military days. I mean, it was, it was one of those operations where – you just had to take the information you had mm. and, and, and make your best stab at it and say, I think this is what's going to happen. At the same time, you're, you're dealing with people's health, uh, those concerns. Uh, you're trying to figure out where people are going to get their next meal. Mm. Um, students that rely on, on meals from school is how are we going to feed them. And so you had to take care of not only educational needs, but you had to take care of basic human needs as well. So I've, we've got a great staff that pulled it off. I threw out some ideas and they're like, we can make it happen. And they did. You have a phenomenal staff here at Sylacauga, all the schools. Yeah. Um, I've firsthand seen how they've taken these challenges and just, you know, executed your plan. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been amazing to see yep. that happen. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you, you can, you can put out a good plan and, and just live with it, but uh, make sure that you've got people out there that are, that are willing and able to execute it. And we do. I mean, we have more than 270 employees out there, and you just can't say enough about the work they do. We don't pay them enough. It's just the nature of education. Uh, it's long hours. It's, it's phone calls on the weekend. But you know what? When a parent calls and says, my child doesn't understand how to do this, those people go into action. They don't care if it's Saturday afternoon. They I just know. make it happen. Yeah, my brother is actually doing blended right now, and he's in honors chemistry so <laughs> that's been a struggle, but his teachers have been amazing in terms of if he doesn't understand something, right. hey, here's how to do it. You know, do you want to Zoom later and, you know, let me tutor you a little bit so you can understand it. So I think that's super important, and it's amazing that they're able to do that. The beauty of our profession is these people signed up to serve and, and to take care of children and to, and to meet their academic needs. So it, you can't say enough for that right there some people enter a job you know um, you know we, we enter a service and that's what we do so whatever it takes we'll make that happen we are joined today by Silicaga city school superintendent dr john seegers
Can you describe a little bit more of the processes that you've gone through to ensure that all the students throughout the school system are still getting proper instruction and staying safe at the same time? Yeah, um, you know, instruction is based on a curriculum. So it's not new. The teachers know what the steps are. And a lot of times we use the term standards-based. So a course may have a list of 40 standards. And with those standards, we develop a pacing guide. A pacing guide just says, when we're going to hit each standard, at, at what time, where should we be at any given time? So we didn't throw that away. Um, it's, just, it's just the means of communication that changed. The standards didn't change. The pacing guide really didn't change. It's just how do you reach out and touch each student where they are? Some had struggles with um, computer skills. Uh, some live in homes where they just don't have Internet access. So you had to figure out where to get. And it's almost... Um, it's almost an individual plan for each student because every family is different. So that's really how we pulled it off. It wasn't changing the design of instruction. It was figuring out how to communicate. I know a lot of your elementary schools don't have a lot of extracurricular activities after school, um, but how has COVID limited those extracurricular activities at Nicholas Lawson Middle School and Sylacauga High School? Um, it just takes more time. Um, there, there's much more cleaning that has to be accomplished. Um, you have to be more careful than you used to be. Um, so everybody has turned into um, a, a sanitation person now. You, you, have, you just have to be cognizant of, of where the germs are, where they can potentially be, and make time for all that to happen. So your practices last longer. You have to spread people out. I mean, I, you know, six months ago, I couldn't have told you how we were going to play football, a close contact sport. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in the midst of this problem. I don't know how, you know, and if you look at a sport like wrestling, we don't have wrestling here, but how do you do that mm -hmm. and, and, and maintain um, the sanitation and, and the, just the protection of people? So uh, we meet with our coaches quite often collectively and talk about what are the things we need to do. Plus, we, we, we purchased a lot of equipment that helps us do that between you know, electrostatic um, misters that clean the air and clean surfaces, um, UV lighting, which cleans the air and surfaces. So, you know, all this technology has, has come into our hands now. But, but you have to do it to, to make sure everybody's safe. But we, we've done very well with that. Sylacauga City Schools is ranked the 28th best school system in Alabama in the latest niche rankings. Mm -hmm. That moved up from the 32nd spot last year. That's a huge honor. And talk a little bit about what this might mean for the school system and how it represents the quality education that students are getting in Sylacauga City Schools. Yeah, and you have to go in and read a lot about how niche does the rankings. There's, there's eight or nine different uh, areas, but, but it's comprehensive. They look at athletics. They look at food. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they look at instruction. But I was most proud that we were ranked uh, very high for best teachers. Mm -hmm. And that says a lot. It does say uh, and, a lot. And, and a lot of that comes from people's comments to, to Niche about the, the teachers we have in Sylacauga. And, you know, the way I look at it is we have teachers that teach in a classroom, but we have 270 employees here that teach something every day. Whether you're a maintenance worker or a custodian or work in the lunchroom, you're teaching a child something every day. So I think that's the beauty of it. Uh, we're certainly proud of that. We're right on the edge of the top 20% in the state. Mm -hmm. I've told our board several times, I think we're a top 10% school system. Um, you know, we, we have that ability here, just have to keep fighting. Uh, going from 32 to 28 is great, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for top 10. Oh, yeah. That'll be a huge accomplishment if you guys get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs>
Lastly, students will transition back to traditional learning beginning on Monday. Mm -hmm. Describe this process and what it means for students throughout the school system. Yeah, it's complicated uh, in, in terms of numbers, but I can give you a picture. Right now, every day, we have about 40% of our student body in a class across the board. Uh, come Monday, we'll have about 72%. So it's not like we opened up the doors and said, everybody come back at once. You know, we're, we're wading into this water a little bit at a time just to see what we can do. We didn't think we could go much farther than 72% right now. Mm -hmm. um, of course, with the public health department guidelines of, of distancing and wearing masks and those things, you know, we're, we're trying to, to stay close to that, as close to that as we can. Um, one day we hope that 100% comes back. Um, but for right now, we will bring that 72% back into the classroom. And any child that's at home that has proven that they can't do the online work, mm -hmm. for some reason there's a barrier there, we're bringing them back too. Yeah. So if, if your grades and, and our conversations with you and your parents show that you're not capable of doing this at home, we're not going to leave you at home. Okay. You come back in here and we'll figure it out. Well, that's a great start to bringing everyone back. And it I is. think that's something that we need right now. Mm -hmm. It'll surely be beneficial to a lot of students and parents who are struggling with online-based learning, mm -hmm. for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us again today. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Behind the Headlines. Maybe you're looking for that perfect home in the Sylacauga area, or you're being transferred and need to quickly sell your existing home. Let your hometown realtor help. Whether it's buying, selling, or renting a home, Owner and broker Greg Tubbs of Fairmont Realty can help you. Fairmont Realty is located at 208 North Broadway in downtown Sylacauga, next to Odie's Deli. View their listings online at fairmont-realty.com. Fairmont Realty, your hometown realtor. Welcome back to Behind the Headlines, the weekly SiliconGanews.com podcast, bringing you conversations behind the stories we tell and report. Dr. Seegers, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. We really enjoyed having you. I feel like that's pretty palpable here. Is there anywhere that our viewers and our listeners can find more information about Sylacauga City Schools? Sure. We, um, you know, we have a, a website. Mm -hmm. Just dial up Sylacauga City Schools, find out general information there. Uh, we try to post uh, real current information on Facebook. Um, uh, Sylacauga City Schools uh, Facebook page. We'll have a lot of stuff on there, and of course it comes with a lot of comments too, but you know, our, our information will go on there. But I tell you, the best way to do it is, is be in contact, parents be in contact with uh, teachers and principals. Mm -hmm. Teachers are your best source. They're going to tell you exactly where, the, where that rubber meets the road. So contact your teacher, please, and they will give you the best information. But any of those sites, and certainly call our office if, if you can't get any answers about something, uh, call the central office and, and we'll take care of that. Yes, sir. Thank you for watching and listening to Behind the Headlines, the weekly SiliconGanews.com podcast, bringing you conversations behind the stories we tell and report. Don't forget to watch our video podcast weekly on SiliconGanews.com, Mix 106.5, and Kicks 100.3 Facebook pages. Listen on air and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. To contribute stories, suggest future guests, and report news, email news at silicoganews.com. For my co-host, Darden Walton, I'm Hannah Hammonds, and thank you for joining us. See you next week.